You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. We are here still talking about the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. We're doing episode two and nope, episode three and four of season two. <laughs> Uh, I, I would say after four episodes, I am still all in on this show. How, how does everybody else feel? I like it's it good. even more now. It's <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I think, oh yeah. Still find Luther exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> he will continue to be. I know. Okay, well... Uh, let's get right into our week's watch so that we can get into Netflix's The Umbrella Academy. Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So I watched a comedy special because it had kept popping up, like trailers for it, ads for it kept popping up on my Facebook. Um, and it was, uh, Ilza Schlesinger's. Eliza Eliza Schlesinger's. Yeah. Uh, her new unveiled comedy special on Netflix. I think it's been out for a while, but. Um, it's, it's the one where she makes jokes about weddings, right? Correct. I mean, yes, that's been out for a while. Why could that possibly be showing up on my Facebook yeah, page? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was highly entertaining. Uh, I definitely connected on many levels with what she was discussing. So that was that was amusing. Overall it was a good watch and a good use of an hour and a half of my time. <laughs> I mean, uh, I always think Eliza's pretty funny. So uh yeah. did you get any tips? Anything no, that really to, wasn't that wasn't the purpose <laughs> that of the, wasn't of the, the special? purpose. It was discussing all those traditions brides hate anyway. Things <laughs> like rails in front of your faces. Where you trip, something blue, something yeah, that's not so much the the big ones. The uh, garter, the garter, garter yeah. What is? Why is that even a thing? It's the most confusing thing in the world. Because when she's your property, it didn't matter. I'm taking it's the creepy. leash off <laughs> so that I can put my new leash on. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hate it so much. <laughs> what about Prima Donna? Is that still a thing? No, we don't have any many kings anymore, so yeah. I would say no. Well, yeah, and the garter toss is kind of to represent, or the garter is kind of to represent the fact that, like, you no man should have ever seen your legs really before, mm -hmm. and so now your so, husband is the first to 
see what's under your skirt. And then I get to throw prove to the world. I, I also get to be yeah. like, hey, this is on my wife's leg. Here, guys, yeah. fight for it. Mm-hmm. I like the, like what what's this weird fucking idea of like no one should have seen your leg, but now everyone will see your leg. And I'm gonna do it with my teeth. I don't know if that's common, but <laughs> that happens way too often. It's far more common than it should be. It's the <laughs> it's the more it's the more modern thing though with the yeah. teeth. I mean, it's just I can't stand it. People get, you know, it's yeah. one day it's probably going to be like, you know, using your uh, new appendage that you got because you got robotic arms. I don't know. That, that <laughs> <Your arms>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know who said it, but I heard that tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Yep. We don't have to yeah. listen to mm-hmm. it. That's, yeah. yeah, no. So it was it was those kinds of things and the discussion about, you know, the difference between brides and grooms on the day of the wedding, you know, the bride has to be up at 5am because she's got to get her yoga in and do a cleanse and hope to lose 10 extra pounds, you know, in the first three hours of the day. And then she's got to do her hair and makeup and all of that good stuff. And the groom gets to just kind of get up whenever he wants and hung over, hung over, <laughs> then go back and take a nap. And Wake up to an alarm that says "wedding for you?" Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Is that today? <laughs> Is that today? So it was just—it hey, was highly. Amazing. That's why you have a best man. That that person is the one in charge of getting you to the, <laughs> Their to the sole wedding job place. Is to get you to the wedding. Propped up. <laughs> it propped up is fine. You just have to be able to sign the paperwork. Mm-hmm. You have Weddings. to be. You have to be not drunk enough that you can sign your name. <laughs> I'm sure someone will sign their name in, in their place. <laughs> we'll, we'll, make, we'll make stamps. There you go. <laughs> like signature stamps. There you go. <laughs> Not how that works. <laughs> so that was on Netflix. Did anybody else get a chance to watch that uh, special? I watched it, but like months ago, because I've actually watched a few of her other specials. She's one of my favorite stand-up comedians. So okay. I recommend her stand-ups. I think pretty much all of them are on Netflix. So Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like Netflix has become a thing known for like comedians to go do specials now. Like it used to be HBO, but now it's uh, Netflix. Netflix. And who is trying to do it? I think Amazon has somebody uh, has a couple now too. Yeah. No, it's well, a pretty and, cheap one. So yeah, and Netflix's sense. attempt to promote it was highly entertaining. They had her do a wedding trends update, like commercial for herself. That was relatively entertaining, including discussions about choreographed dances being on their way out, except for the fact that she said, no, you, you still have to do that because men don't know how to dance. So you have to like <laughs> give steps. <laughs> did, did anyone did in this, did they talk crap about diamonds for wedding rings? Cause that one still messes me up. It, they no. did not, but I'm yes, I understand. Just, just watch Adam ruins everything. He does a great thing on diamonds and wedding rings just good unless unless you've got a family heirloom go with white sapphires and call it good yeah save yourself a bunch of money and nobody will know the difference yeah we're wasting diamonds true potentials for powering like (laughs) 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 i'm glad you went with that forever (laughs) oh god i forgot about that (laughs) everybody cheer (laughs) 
<laughs> best Batman movie ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was serious. As a kid, that was my favorite Batman movie. I'm sorry, but when I was a child, that was my favorite Batman movie. Hey, that makes complete sense. Like, to a child, it's Batman, <laughs> and it's super fucking colorful, and, like, just looks like it's a cartoon from the awesome. life. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the first movie where I walked out of a theater and I thought <gasps> to myself, I think that was bad. <laughs> it really messed with me. Like I, I think I hated this. <laughs> My first one for that was the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. Ooh. <laughs> that was a bad movie. That would do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah about that. <laughs> well, Stephen, yeah. other than the Rocky and Bullwinkle, did you watch anything this week? I watched so many things this week, guys. Like, so much. <laughs> I'm not going to put you through all of them. Um, but uh, I, I watched Gindy Tartakovsky's uh, Primal. That was very good. That's a lot Gindy of work. Uh, Gindy Tartakovsky would have been best known by the people in this particular room here today uh, for his Star Wars Clone Wars series, or Dexter's Lab, probably. <laughs> cool. um, yeah, he, he did like he did those series, uh, Samurai Jack, and so much more. Um, but yeah, so he did this newer series called Primal. It's it, it, it's fantastic. If if those specific words don't sell you on that, I'm not going to be able to sell you on that. And I've got other things to talk about anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> I also watched... Uh, oh, that was on HBO. Gotcha. HBO Max. Uh, then um, today, uh, I watched Netflix's new Jamie Foxx movie. Uh, it's oh, the um, Project good? Powers. Uh, so... Power. Project Power? Yeah, um, it's good in so many ways. It it feels like the previous movie from these people. Um, the, pre- the previous movie was that one, Nerve. Oh, okay. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. It's even, even the people they have in it. They have Machine Gun Kelly in there. They have a Casey Neistat cameo. Um, there's, there's a lot of uh, carryover from that other film. Okay. But honestly, it's a pretty good movie. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it is it's generic kind of story stuff but i didn't hate it and there's one set piece in there that's uh happens in this big fight scene this big kind of thing and there's one person who is experiencing their powers for the first time in it in the middle of it and the the fight scene happens around that in a really interesting way it's pretty cool um i look forward to when one of you guys watches it next week and we can talk about it a little more in depth yeah that one scene with uh that they keep showing in the trailer or at least the clip of joseph gordon levitt like taking the bullet to the face like that seems interesting yeah th- there are some interesting things in it it does feel it, it feels like a 2005 superhero tv series tv series like Does that make sense like yeah like it, like heroes mutant x alphas very much like alphas oh um it feels like it feels like alphas Plus a little bit of um, oh, uh, bright in production quality for the visuals, and I know that makes it sound like it's bad, but it was it was a pretty decent movie. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, push. I, push. I, like honestly, I, it has a little bit of push in there too. Um, push and wanted visual like these. All of these are in the same vein of movie. In jumper, jumper. Yeah, that's the next one I was gonna say. Uh, but no, the the thing that I watched this week that I think was one of the best ones out of all of them, strangely enough, was I, I watched uh, An American Pickle, oh, the Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. Oh, 
weirdly, that was a decent movie. <laughs> I don't like Seth Rogen all that much. Um, but in so many ways, this movie is in direct opposition to the idea that so many people out there say where it's like, uh, you can't even make a comedy movie right now. Uh, everything's too PC and stuff like that. This movie is just a comedy movie from the eighties or nineties, but it's not a piece of shit about it. Okay. Like th- there's so many things where if someone says like, you can't make a comedy movie, all they mean is you can't tell like lazy, like racist, stereotypical, sexist jokes. That's right. all they mean about it. Um, this one, it still has jokes that are that same kind of idea because one of the main characters is from a hundred years ago, but in no way, shape or form is that character going around saying these things. And this joke is supposed to be like, yeah, (laughs) women suck. It's never supposed to be that like that at the end of it, like everyone that's there is like, yeah, no, he said awful things. What he said is wrong. And everyone in the movie, like, like very directly, says that what he said was wrong and later on in the movie the the character herschel also acknowledges i said some pretty terrible things <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not like it's just reveling in those things it was pretty good um i don't know i i, I don't want to say too much about the plot because it is still pretty new it came out what like maybe a week two weeks ago yeah a week ago yeah yeah um yeah i've, I've gotten to be very on the cutting edge of streaming things right now but <laughs> I had, it, it was good i recommend it i hadn't seen it yet but i heard another person on a podcast talk about it and there's the scene where the scientists all are like yep it all count that all that all works out like the, why he, he he survived and then they just go cut away from it like they don't go into the yeah. science they just have scientists <laughs> there and say it worked out and then that's it Dude, the, the funny part for it is that they don't even have the scientists say anything it's Herschel describing when he woke up and he's like, yeah, like, and then, then I woke up and then the scientist went to present me before all these people. And he said a lot of things that made a lot of sense with a lot of words and everyone agreed that it made sense. And then it cuts to the people in the crowd and they're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) That's how you get around the science. (laughs) But it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. That's awesome. So HBO Max for the American Pickle, uh, Netflix for Project Power, and mm-hmm. well, and then the most important one, the most important one um, was uh, YouTube. The name of the movie was uh, Space Sweepers That's for right. that trailer. If anyone hasn't gotten to see that yet, <laughs> oh man, bring it back. <laughs> Are we also going to talk about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang too? Oh, <laughs> I don't know what the count for that one is now. <clears throat> uh, okay, Stephen, that's quite the quite an array of things you watched. Uh, mm-hmm. Jessica, what did you watch this week? Um, well, my dad made the really poor choice of letting me choose the Sunday movie because I was in a mood to watch something that would be happy that I knew would end happy. Um, and so I chose the second Trolls movie, Trolls World Tour. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he glared at me, but he still watched it with me because he loves me. But um, <laughs> no, I actually, I actually absolutely love the Trolls movies, mainly because um, it just, I find it so fascinating that now kids know all these older songs from this movie. So they, they do 
they did Barracuda. In this one, they do all sorts of genres. So Barracuda was big, Crazy Train. Ozzy Osbourne actually has a voice in it, which is fun. He's like an old rock dude. And it's just a fun, happy time. Just, I absolutely love the Trolls movies. I, you know what you're going to get when you watch a Trolls movie kind of thing. But it actually did have a lot of things that are very relevant to today in it, some lessons in it that I'm sure went over the heads of kids. It really is a lot. The whole plot is sort of about how Rock is kind of sort of trying to take over all these different trolls and their different versions of music. They're all set in different versions of music. Like the main characters, their music is pop. And then there's the techno trolls and the country trolls and so on. And Rock is trying to make them all just rock. And like there is a point in which, you know, Poppy, the queen of the pop trolls, she's trying to sort of fix things or not do it. And she gets told, well, Pop did this before. And she's like, what? That's not what's in our scrapbook, which is basically their history book. And they said, yeah, that's because of who wrote the scrapbook kind of thing. And Interesting. Like, this isn't a child's movie. <laughs> like, it was just, it was really, really good thinking. And, you know, the main thing was like, yes, we're different, but our differences is and we should accept those differences and know that we are different but also not hate those differences and still come together and be and you can't have harmony without differences basically so it was great it was wonderful to watch i absolutely love it justin timberlake and anna kendrick are wonderful singers so so wait justin timberlake is back for the second movie because he's not in yeah. any trailers His he's in the trailers yes he is i don't he remember him in the trailer yeah, like, no, he's in it. He wrote some songs. He's the blue guy, right? Yeah, he's the blue one. He's the one that needs pod be, man. He's very important. I, I haven't seen either one of the movies. I just know in the first, the trailer for the first movie, it talks about Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake like, all over the place. The second one, <laughs> yeah. the second cool. one only about Anna Kendrick. They like didn't really have to though, because I feel like they got Justin Timberlake in because they're he was. I don't know, he wasn't even really a bigger name at the time, though. But I don't know, maybe to get people to even go see it. But now it just, it has the kid following that it was going to be watched regardless. Like, it has a show, too, I think on, I think it's on Netflix. I'm pretty sure. But it's, it already has a following. You don't need to overmarket anything about it anymore, really. Plus, it's the only way that we get new JT mu- music now. It is. The original songs are great, too. Yeah, cause, then, uh, like, hit, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I got nothing. Okay, fine. <laughs> and so, then I'm assuming that was on uh, video on demand. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, we rented that one. It's available for rent now. So it was when it first came out. It was like twenty bucks because it didn't go to theaters. It was. Um, but demand. now I, I found it for rent. I think it was on sale on Amazon Prime for like. Three dollars, I think. I don't know if that sale's still up or not, or if it was just for my profile or, or whatever. But three dollars rent. It was a good three dollars spent. Um, also, my mom found a show she thought I would like, and we ended up watching it, and that was "What We Do in the Shadows," which is on Hulu, and it's great. You were watching the the new series, not the the original movie. 
not the original movie. No, this was the new series. Um, I believe it's two seasons now, but I've only watched the first season. And the whole plot is it's about these vampires that live in Staten Island. And they're familiar. And they've been living there for a long time. And it's just, it's a funny comedy, kind of sort of Jojo Rabbit, dark, darkish humor, satire, I guess. And it's just... It was great. It's hilarious. I love it. I can't believe I didn't even know the show existed. And I'm so glad my mom somehow found it and watched it. So I, I like that you mentioned Jojo Rabbit for it because it's a Taika Waititi thing originally. I thought yeah. I saw his name, but I couldn't tell. And when I looked it up, I couldn't find him attached to it. So I don't know. But I thought Wait, I saw him. Did you watch? What we do, what in, we the do in the shadows. No, but I mean, which version? The show. The, the show. Oh, the the show. You didn't watch the movie? No, apparently I will find the movie. I didn't know there was a movie. I just my mom saw an ad for it because Disney owns Hulu now, so she gets Hulu ads now. So um Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Uh everybody seems to be really happy with the the T V version of what we do in the shadows. The movie was good. Uh there's like one line in that that I really enjoy, but other than that I'm not I'm not a big fan. Is it the sandwich one? No, it's the oh. swearwolf one. Yeah, that's the best line in the whole movie. Like, <laughs> we're not werewolves, we're swearwolves. No, we're not swear. We're werewolves. We're, 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 we're swe- we're, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So, uh, what we do in the dark, I believe, or what we do in the shadows, is a. Uh, it's on its second season. So, have you watched all of the first season? No, or? I just managed to watch the first episode of oh, the first cool. season, and I'm already hooked, so I'm sure I'll be watching more. It's just my mom also liked it, so I have to wait for her. I can't is, betray. Is Matt Berry in that one? Uh, I believe he's the he's Jermaine Clements' character. Jermaine Clements? Okay. Good. Uh, all right. That's on Hulu. Anything yeah. else, uh, that there's one more thing I watched. Um, Mitch mentioned this interesting <laughs> looking movie called Vivarian on um, Amazon, and um, I regret taking <laughs> <laughs> it. Was actually that might be the worst movie I have seen. I feel like it's wow. the one. Wow. And, and I watched that Hercules movie with that Twilight guy. Like just that. What's the Hercules movie with the Twilight guy? I cannot remember, but it's the um, the guy who played Emmett. I don't. I don't even know his name. Is Kellen Kellen Lutz? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hate that I know his name. (laughs) And he played Hercules, and it was horrible. We'll get to talking about it when it comes to my turn for the week's watch. So okay, good. Thank God that was it then. (laughs) Well, John. What did you watch this week? You know, this was a really bad week for me. Um, I I got to watch our two episodes of Umbrella Academy, and that's pretty much it. Oh, um, I okay. didn't even get to do my um my Plazathon. My Aubrey Plazathon. Yeah, I had to let her down this week. I'm <laughs> sure she was waiting with bated breath for that. But, right there uh, on Twitter. Right there on Twitter, yeah. Um, so instead, I'll just mention something else that I did watch, but this was a, a week or so prior. I just didn't bring it up because I had so much other stuff to watch before. Um, so I retroactively watched the Transformers War for Cybertron series on Netflix. 
Nice. Mm. Up here before. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting series. Very dark, very bleak. It's by Rooster Teeth, which I was surprised by. Um, Miles Luna is one of the voices. I don't think any of the original voices are in this show. So it's definitely no. Peter Cullen or... Um, I forget the name of Megatron, but he does like so many voices. Peter Welker, that's what it was. Yeah. Frank Welker. And the, or Frank Welker. Frank Welker. The the guy who does Megatron now, he's um he's the voice of I think Roadhog in Overwatch. Oh. That makes sense, yeah. He's got that tone. His natural speaking voice is very much like Fred from uh Scooby Doo, which he also did the voice of. But mm. I mean, between Peter Cullen and Frank Welker like they have just done so much freaking work together like peter cullen besides being optimus prime was also the voice of the predator um he did a few voices in knight rider he's done a bunch of cartoon stuff he did a bunch of gi joke mostly 80s stuff but i mean it kind of leaked over uh frank welker did most recently that i can think of i mean he's done a lot of shit but like he did the voice of nibbler on futurama and just so many side characters here we, and there. You know what's also but, hilarious? Yeah, Work for Tribertron is essentially an uh, animated version of the video game, War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron. So if you're really into Transformers G1, then this is kind of for you. If you like that first eight minutes of the Bumblebee movie, then you might like this show. If you don't care about Transformers and really don't care about G1, and you won't like this because it's yeah, at all just, uh, like transformer porn it's it's got all the the uh, fan servicing that an aging transformer fan like myself has been looking for you know some good plot some i want to say respectful robot designs that don't look like just a bunch of like garbled wiring and metal plates just kind of tacked on together um, yeah, that's a call out to the uh, Bayformers. <laughs> How could oh, you? It's universally loved. Of six episodes each. So it's very short. Each episode's only about 20, 25 minutes long. And um, yeah, but it's very dramatic. I mean, there's character deaths in the original series. I think only Optimus Prime and a handful of Autobots were killed in the movie. In this one, you start losing robots from each faction, like from the get go. So yeah, around. this is definitely not your daddy's Transformers. So if it's the first, like the first 20 minutes or the first 15 minutes of uh, Bumblebee, how are they already cars in, their, in a cartoon? Like they shouldn't be that because they haven't got to Earth yet. They don't go into it. It's one of the biggest oversights in all of Transformers. Well, they're futuristic retro space cars they're not like the porsches or the camaros that you have on earth they just happen to look similar and i mean if you really want to get into it there's like a whole lore that retroactively explains that i mean if we all know the real reason why they look like cars all along is because they were toys first and they wrote a story around that um but i just mean for this specific show show. like because in the trailer for the show, they have Optimus Prime like flying through the air and then landing as a as a semi truck. Yeah, yeah, basically. Well, 
Okay, well, I mean, this is kind of cheating because I know a lot more of the uh, retroactive lore, basically, but the Transformers were basically worker drones that fought for their freedom and eventually became their own society. But they basically transform as part of what their job is. So, like, a lot of the Autobots were hauling minerals and equipment and shit like that. So that's why he was a semi... Well, he's essentially a big rig, a space big rig. And then when a bunch of them come to Earth, they just take shapes of similar-looking local, uh, you know, wildlife, basically. (laughs) So that's the... That's the uh, the backronym, you know, justification. Uh, a lot of the Decepticons, like Megatron, were specifically bred for, like, arena combat, which is why a lot of them, especially him, are basically just giant weapons. And the rest are, you know, like, for pulling cargo. Hmm. The Beast Wars one is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Cybertronian uh, culture is, is very uh, classic. <laughs> it's a very rich and unique uh, civilization. That's weird. So, okay. Uh, wh- I've been recently doing a, a rewatch of uh, Gargoyles, and I didn't know that uh, Frank Welker is the voice of Bronx. Like, mm-hmm. I knew I know him as the voice of Megatron, and I feel like that's a waste. That's a waste of the voice of Megatron to be a dog. <laughs> no, it was perfect. What are you talking about? Gargoyles is perfect, yeah. Mitch. I, I will I will not stand for any any slandering of gargoyles wow. until Goliath is on that stupid boat. I, hey hey stop it! I will not have <laughs> any slandering of gargoyles ever. Like I like <laughs> on the boat there. I'm just saying that it it seemed like it's a waste to have Frank Welker be voicing a, a dog. Like it, it's not like the dog talks; it just makes dog noises. Okay, I'm in, I'm in this on my own. Alan Turdick was hey hey. Which is also a waste. I feel like you could no, just it's because he made hey hey. <laughs> he did like I, did, did you see him voicing it in the booth? No, he but if he did his voices and then they designed hey hey after him. That's <laughs> you didn't know it was Alan Tudyk. Would you have known that it was Alan Tudyk? Yes, I would have known it was Alan Tudyk. No, you wouldn't have. He he doesn't do anything that's Alan Tudyk in it. He doesn't say, you know, curse your Neville betrayal. <laughs> what is it? Like like a leaf, whatever? It yeah, like, like a leaf on the wind. Like a leaf on the wind. <laughs> that one? <laughs> yep, that one. <laughs> That's how I know that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely what it is. All right. Leaf. That's on on Netflix. Uh, John, was there anything else you watched? I know you said you really didn't get a chance to. I No, I really didn't get to watch anything. I didn't even get to watch Vivarium, especially after the heated debate from last night. Where, it wasn't uh, a heated debate. <laughs> it was Jessica just ranting at how much she hates me. <laughs> and then she started talking about Vivarium. I think, <laughs> you know, I saw the trailer and I thought it was interesting looking. It definitely looks like it, at least it had a something it was trying to say but i mean yeah i'm gonna have to check it out eventually uh so i don't know if i want to listen into you guys' conversation about it i want to go in fresh and not okay it all spoiled well, but uh the trailer looks intriguing i think from this one what what just was saying that it had said was um go to hell jessica bailey <laughs> <laughs> i think she said how dare you <laughs> <laughs> just 
<laughs> I can't even remember. No, I feel like I said I'm. I kind of hate you right now, or something like that. I just I'm pretty sure I don't you hate you. Lost all faith in him and trust. I'm not. Anytime you say something is interesting or intriguing, I'm not gonna watch it. Like. I mean, interesting doesn't mean good. It just means different. Well, I know that now, but like, it, it's still <laughs> slightly. It wasn't even really that interesting, though. It was, it was so predictable. It was so predictable. Okay, so John, if you don't have anything to watch, we'll finally get into mine so that Jessica can berate me. Wait, wait. I also wanted to mention I went back and I rewatched the uh, the two tr- first trailers for Space Sweepers. Oh, yeah, my man. <laughs> okay, so as we get into my week's watch, as it's been much anticipated for this episode, I got a chance to watch Vivarium. It's on uh, Amazon Prime, and it is a movie I remember seeing the trailer for uh, back in 2019 because it came out in 2019. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots, who I loved from the green room. I think she did an amazing job of that. She also had a short stint on a Showtime show called Roadies, where she was like, uh, well, she was part of the road crew for a, a band, and it was really interesting. It only went, but it only went for one season. Okay, that being said, the trailer interests me the most because, like, that's exactly what I think about when I think about or when I check out like a. Uh, uh, sub development homes where every house is cookie cutter and kind of just the same as their neighbor. So that already freaked me out when it got to the trailer. Then you get to the whole point where they can't make their way out and stuff like that. Uh, just really did did more. So John, are you going to uh uh click out for this? Or do you want us to wave our hands when we're done talking about it? Yeah, I'll just watch you guys until I see it's safe to get back on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just. The trailer so, go was ahead. good. The trailer was good. But when you, like, it looked better on the, like, the movie as a whole looked better on the trailer. Like, the suburbs looked more realistic. Whereas when I watched it as a movie, it looked way too fake that it, like, it was supposed to be, like, scary how fake it was, but it kind of sort of went too fake to the point that it wasn't scary anymore. It just looked cartoonish for me. Huh. Okay. All That's right. where I was. Yeah, the, the clouds. They even have a bit of dialogue in there where it's just the clouds look like clouds instead of looking like other things, and it's just because it's all programmed, it's all it's all weird. Uh, I I definitely was expect waiting for a some kind of twist at the end where they were inside of a program or they were, uh, you know, being being experimented on or part of a mental institution or something like that. But that never came. Uh. Did anybody else get that this is an... Uh, first, who else watched it? John didn't watch it. Elizabeth didn't no. watch it. <laughs> Jessica did watch it. Steven, did you get around to watching it? And we No, I, 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 I did not get to. Okay. <laughs> so just <laughs> Jessica. Just me, the idiot of the group. Just the two of us. Okay. Uh, I, did you get that it's an allegory just for being an adult? I got it pretty much right away, but like 
No, I'm asking if that's is that if that's the thing that you got. I'm not saying that's the correct answer. That's what I kind of felt like it was. Yeah, it's it's an allegory for just I just and that's what sucks because it's a lesson that nobody freaking likes. Like we all already know this. Like yes, we know we're all. It's literally you're just going through life digging your own grave. That is <laughs> that is the reference. That is it. As soon as he started digging, I was like, son of a bitch, because as soon as they let him dig. As soon as he had the pickaxe to dig, I was like, they want you to do that. They want you to die. Like, I just, and the fact that it's called vivarium, too, I, within the definition vivarium. of vivarium. Yeah. What does it's, vivarium mean? It's, it's basically like a terrarium, but with creatures in it mm. that you keep until they die. <laughs> yeah. And then the cuckoo's nest thing. It was it was too much foreshadowing just in its name. It's like naming Darth Vader father. Darth. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, it's not subtle, and it's not it's it's very much sci-fi in the way that it's it, it the it's it's foreshadows itself. But yeah, it the idea that you can't escape it, and it's so bleak. Like usually, you would expect there's some type of happy ending or at least upward looking ending, but this does not give you that at all. I feel like how I would have ended it was she would have gotten out, but she would not have remembered it. Ooh, that's how I would have chosen to end it. But I don't know. I had other. I had issues with a lot of the editing choices. Like, did it bug you that the kid's voice wasn't actually? His voice that he was slipping everything. Yeah, it did bug me, but I I don't I don't know why. And I think the the biggest thing why it bugged me is because I don't understand why they decided to make that cho- that choice. Like why the director made that choice. Like I get it yeah. for when he's doing the mimicking. Yeah. Uh, of Jesse Eisenberg and in in Imogen Poots, but other than that, I don't know why they didn't give the kid a voice of his own. Yeah, I I I didn't understand that choice, and I, I guess the choice is that oh, to prove that he actually is an alien child or whatever the hell they are, child, because this is also the, like they get the same thing. Like this is also you do this until you die for them. That was the mm-hmm. other thing. They're going through basically the same thing. Just They're just in control. Yeah, it's it was. Just it's weird. true. You don't ever get a a a, a reason of like, are, is it the potential energy that they're stealing, or you know, what what is it that they get out of this other than continuing the cycle, and that that kind of sucks too. You get nothing from it, and I did. I had a huge. I understand why. I can't even remember his name. Jesse Eisenberg's character, Tyler. I understand. Yeah, Tyler. Something, something very basic. Dude name. Yeah, I. I Tom, I think it was Tom. Now that oh, I think yeah. about it, yeah. Um, I understand why he got angry with the child, but it still. And I work with children, so it could be. It still bugged me seeing the abuse towards him, like just the violence towards him. And I get why it was there, but my main reason why it bugged me is because the things that that child does are things that children with autism do. Like, right, and but that I- bugged. Like I don't. I I get it, but it bugged me. Yeah, it's just I mean, not a personal level. But. It's a hard thing to watch, but this is also a baby that was dropped off and then turned into a six-year-old in the matter of ninety days, and then turned Wasn't into it? okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I, she's writing. Say- on the, she's writing on the on the door frame like how many days they've been there, and he, he keeps growing like an, an extra okay. couple inches. Okay, that's what I couldn't tell. Like I could tell that time was jumping. Like he was growing faster than a normal child, but like I couldn't tell how quicker. I right. did not notice that detail. I was dumbstruck by everything else. <laughs> that's actually one of the things that I thought was the biggest spoiler in the trailer. The trailer gave away so much. But just the door frame was like, yeah, we know it's not a normal kid now. <laughs> I just like I, I get it. It was still really hard for me to watch that part. And but. then the the when you get to the part where she goes underneath the street <laughs> and she's following through all the different neighborhoods, quote unquote neighborhoods, it made me think that like they must be on a spaceship somewhere, but that doesn't pay off. It just kind of like a real psychedelic like trip. And then like since she's going in other people's homes at that point, like it in the colors messed up and stuff like that, it's like, well, you don't belong there, so thus you don't get to see it in its proper form. Yeah, I get that. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. You don't belong there, so you see it in a different color because you're I just thought it was the biggest funny the the not the biggest funniest thing, but the the strangest thing is that he ends up like Tom the the Jessica Eisenberg character ends up getting like cancer to die when he dies. Like, yeah, he, he, he works, he works, and then he gets cancer and dies. Like, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much cancer from all the cigarettes that he was smoking. Yep, which is another freaking foreshadowing. There's thing. A little bit of moral in there, you know. It's yeah, it's just smoke. another. Yeah, you shouldn't smoke. It is true. It's really bad on your lungs. Um, so the writer, quit though, but uh, yeah, that's right. The writer director of this is Lorcan Finnegan. Uh, he has made a lot of other shorts. Uh, one other feature film in 2016 called Without a Name or Without Name. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be seeing more from Mr. Finnegan or not. Mm-hmm. Interested to see what his next thing is, though. So yeah, I, I, I feel like no. Oh, I will say like one good thing is the um, uh, which I forgot her name. The actress Imogen Poots. Imogen Poots. Yeah, I I did like her performance. She did have a few decent moments of acting with a bad yeah. script. Like <laughs> she, <laughs> she is definitely the star of the movie. She's the focus. Yeah. So I just it it was just what they did. I just. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> Steven, you, you had something you wanted to say? One of the things for this one was just how many companies were involved in this one. I yeah. think you are guaranteed to see more work from this person because they're good at getting other people involved in making a whole movie. I didn't know like three quarters of the company, so like I was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a one of like we needed a lot of little companies to to finance this movie kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Trying to signal John now. He can come back on. So All right, John. We are definitely going to uh, have to hear what you have to say about this movie. I want you to be the tiebreaker. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're going to be a tiebreaker. Not quite a tiebreaker, but. Now, but, in the meantime, I also learned how to read lips, and I'm pretty sure I saw the word aliens get mouthed in there at one point. <laughs> You've been watching that dude from History Channel too much. <laughs> Everything is aliens. Uh, and Steven, hopefully, will get around to watching it too. 
I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 more likely to study uh, Sukalos, the guy from uh, that a, the A and E show. <laughs> okay, I don't even know what that is. That's the guy from Ancient Aliens. I oh. Sukalos is the guy with the crazy hair. Oh, okay. I personally like that I was left out at the, from the beginning. Like, there's no way I'm watching it. However, I did put it up into the group chat. You could have responded. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I was I was on board for this one before. I was going to do it, but then I didn't have access to, the, to an account to do it at the time, and then reviews started pouring in. <laughs> so someone's review just made you not want to watch it. I, I get it. I, I I did say review singular. I just want to make sure that was heard. <laughs> review started pouring in. <laughs> I I live tweeted tweeted it, and like before he even really started the live tweet, somebody commented and said, "Godspeed to you," because that's the worst movie I'd ever seen. I went, "Alrighty then." <laughs> so, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I've watched a lot of worse movies in my life. If you think that's the worst movie you've ever seen, <laughs> right now it's pretty good. You should but, watch Friends with Money. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. Oh, that, see, that now you're in for trouble, John. <laughs> and nope. now she's going to claim that there was a mutual assent to swapping. Yeah. No, well, no, because he, I actively know this is going to be a bad movie. So <laughs> now I'm okay. <laughs> He's fine. You know, with, with having seen only the trailer, I'd have to say that that whole suburbia paradox that they were going through that that infinite mobius strip of a like neighborhood right it reminded me a lot of um one of my favorite parts of uh the uh, wrinkle in time when they land on that one planet where it's mm. essentially uh, one giant cookie cutter suburb and like all the kids are bouncing the ball at exactly the same rhythm and um all the children's moms come out and call for their kids at exactly the same time it was a really an interesting visual that I was like, oh, I wonder if it's going to be like that. So now I'm really curious about it. Yeah. John, it's exactly like a wrinkle in time. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah's in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Mindy Kaling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Season 2, Episode 3 and 4. 3 is The Swedish Job, and 4 is The Majestic 12. John, take it away. Yes, so, uh, <coughs> quick recap. So, Episodes 1 and 2, we introduce the characters to the 1960s. They're spread across through time, but in the same relative space. And uh, a few of our characters start crossing paths. And uh, so here we begin the Swedish job. And uh, yeah, we have some more interactions, some more, some interesting revelations, I have to say. I was definitely like, did not see this coming. Uh, but then some predictions that were made last week did happen, which I have to say, I did not expect that sissy Banya relationship. Everybody else apparently could see that coming a mile away. As you guys zone out, to be fair, I zone out during the Vanya scenes. Like she's my least favorite character. She's the most potential. Like the show is kind of centered around her in the first season. Yeah, but it could just be an Ellen Page thing. I don't know. Like I don't like I don't say I don't I don't like her. I just find her so like bland. 
which is the point, of course, because she's supposed to be the the super was it extraordinary or extraordinary person? Right, Ex- so extraordinary on. as opposed to extraordinary. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, whenever she's on, I'm kind of like I'm bored at this farm. I don't care. Let's go back <laughs> to uh, someone else fighting or something else exciting happening. Uh. But yeah, so that happened. Uh. Yeah, we get uh, Allison and Klaus meet up for the first time in this one. Uh, the sweets somehow find Banya and chase after her. Um, I think Luther finds out some information about Allison that kind of devastates him. So where are we all feeling right now with this episode? Let's begin with yourself, Mitch. Uh, how do I feel after the, after these these two episodes? Yes. Um, I am super curious. Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm excited about the show, the season two, but I'm super curious about the healing ability that Vanya seemed to use on the, the young kid after he drowned in the lake? Like, is that a thing that they all can do? Is that a uh, a side effect of her power? Is that more of those little things that were coming off of uh, Hargreaves' planet when he when his wife was dying? Like, where, what what was all of that? That's all I want to know. That's she where I'm at. Right of Skywalker and realized that she could do that too. Ah oh, yes, use the force <laughs> force healing. That's right, force healing. Yeah, Elizabeth, where are you coming from now on this uh, third episode, Swedish job? Oh, just oh, the third just episode. the third episode. Oh, yes. I'm gonna have to remember where the third episode stops. I don't. I, I think say. it's gonna be easier for me to just do both because um, yeah. we watched them back to back. I think as of right now. I am liking the character somewhat better. I've, I feel like they're finally growing into their own, if that makes sense. They don't fit the stereotypes that they've just been told is what they are to be their whole lives. Because um, you see it with Allison trying to undo the mistakes of her past and not using her powers and the guilt she feels when she does. You see the fact that Klaus has been sober for three years and, you know, kind of hit the pitfalls and and the heartaches Mm -hmm. that come with sobriety and the challenge and battle that that brings, which I think does lend to his character more. I did appreciate the conversation between Luther and Allison when they're discussing what everybody else is doing. And Allison just announces to Luther that Klaus, you know, started a cult and Luther just goes, eh, that sounds about right. <laughs> this fits, uh, which I mean, it does Klaus in the sixties would definitely fit with the cult leader style. Mm-hmm. Um, now that was an interesting transition. Cause we do get to see how he got to that point in a yeah. very truncated fashion, but he basically took on a benefactor. Yes. He took, yes, he took on a, a Patreon, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> An older, more established. Do you okay? So does everybody else? And I don't know. Maybe I'm just painting it in a good light because it's Klaus. But do you think that he was just using that older woman, or because it's Klaus, he could actually be into her? Like he's into anything. I think he was just using her because what he saw that intrigued him were her Chanel shoes and the diamond on her hand. Yeah. I, I feel like it's it's both, but like 80-20. Yeah. 
it's nuanced. Yeah. So I, and I do appreciate the fact because that would also be the other half is that Klaus does not enjoy being a cult leader. Yeah. But he enjoys being the center of attention. So. To a certain extent. He just doesn't want responsibility. Yeah. That's fair. He doesn't want to feel pressure. And being a cult leader has got a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. uh, so well, he adored, and that's another two, like actually have to give people life changing advice. Yeah. Well, I just don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to the uh, rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Um, and I do, I do appreciate how. Klaus and Luther both look to do nice things for Allison and it just kind of backfires pretty spectacularly because of the race relations of the time, which is very. So how did, how did what Klaus did backfire? Like he, because a white, well-connected man who is a brother Oh, so you're of, saying that the 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 her being an undercover cop thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. just because her husband's pigheaded. I mean, but I, quite honestly, look at it from his perspective and the time period. I, I, that would if you if you don't presume that your wife has superpowers, <laughs> okay, which is which who would normally <laughs> presume that nobody. That isn't the usual presumption that your wife can just, you know, magically make people do whatever she wants, particularly because she's refused to use it. You don't know anything about her. She talks about having family, but nothing real to script. And then all of a sudden, two white men show up who claim to be her brothers. At least one is very clearly not, does not see her as a brother. As a sister, I mean, Luther's very clearly in love with her. He brought her a box of chocolates. And the other one... You can't bring family members a box of chocolates now? Not and cry over the fact that they're married. Okay. (laughs) The whole thing is very suspect, Mitch. (laughs) You know, and then all of a sudden she convinces a white cop to stop beating on him in the time period that would look very suspicious. You would presume that they are somehow a spy. Yeah, and then also the other thing for that one is that everything else about their relationship, she came around, they fell in love, and he literally looks at her like she's too perfect in all these other ways. So there's a certain aspect of just how good their relationship is being suspect to him with all the other things. Oh, everybody's looking at me. Okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) I don't think Mitch believes any of us, but anyway. (laughs) Well, he thought that movie was interesting. <laughs> you know what? I, it's a quick side note. I'm glad that this happened because now she hates you more for this movie than me for making her watch the thing and those dog murders. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, and I appreciate the fact that as Vanya has discovered piece by piece what the past she's missing um her reactions to it feel very true to her character just kind of like yeah i'm i'm upset about this but okay 
moving yeah. on because she I, hasn't like it hasn't been a direct attack on her yet. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't completely put her on the defensive. But yeah. overall I'm liking it better now than I was. Yeah. I do like how Fives try to just be like yeah, the apocalypse happened. Yeah, just not tell her the truth. And she instantly knew, I did it, didn't I? I did it, Luther, didn't I? And Luther's like, yeah, yeah, you totally killed the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's complicated why. It's just, it's complicated why. I'm not going to admit to the fact that I probably caused you to do that because I locked you in a cell where you experienced childhood drama yeah. after you thought you killed our sister. So... <laughs> I mean, he's, he he kind of alluded to that before when they first ran into each other. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Well, that's that'll bring us over here now to Jess. What were your impressions uh, at the end of these two episodes? Just a quick summary. The first episode, or, I'm sorry, episode three, I believe, ends with the revelation that Lila is actually a spy. Okay. Oh. I did quite like that. I did not see that coming at all. Really? (laughs) I just, there were too many things that were perfect. Like like, like her Allison's husband said. I got, yeah, I I did get that there, like that she was something important. I did not get that she was the daughter to the handler. That's what threw me, was how she was involved. I I was surprised, but I, not surprised in the fact that she was a spy, but more of who she was a spy for, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. No, I just assumed she was a mental patient. Yeah, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by that twist. Yeah. Even th- these, these are all additions for the thing. These these things weren't in the comic, but I just I felt like that from a mile away when she said "for my mother." I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> "Nope, didn't see it coming." <laughs> I, I could not consider the handler a mother-like person, so that's <laughs> Well, and talk about some serious childhood trauma. Let me raise you after I've murdered your parents in front of you and convince oh. you to call me mom. So well, actually, I'm currently listening to a young adult trilogy series that deals with the Fae in which that exact thing happens to the main character. So, And it's messed up. It's messed up, but I would I would highly recommend The Cruel Prince by Holly Black to anybody who reads young adult and likes faith stories and strong. Now, does anybody think that they're sowing some seeds here of some future plot points with um, during the beginning of episode four, the Majestic Twelve, we see Lila's upbringing and how she was (laughs) trained uh, very strictly by the handler. And one of the key points that they go over is the handler tells her, you know, never trust anyone and always mm-hmm. be on your guard and so on. And then during a meeting that they have later, Lila's very clearly suspicious of the fact that like these Swedish guys were sent in and weren't exactly trying to miss her when they were shooting. Yeah. Up the place. Mm-hmm. yeah but and- they're sent in to kill uh, uh, all the Hargreaves, but she's supposed to be protecting number five. I think that just leans more credence to the fact that she, Lila, isn't actually a part of the commission. No, right. Yeah, it definitely sounds like she's doing some like black ops work for the handler that's yeah. like, off the books. Um, 
And yeah, that whole thing sounds like there's a, a, a triple cross coming somewhere along the way here. Well, well and she's of course also falling in love with Diego. <laughs> Is she really? Yeah, that's why she yeah. hesitated before she going hesitated. after five. She <laughs> Hesitated for a long while before going after five, so she definitely has feelings. This is true. She was definitely torn between those two. Also, her her bracelet. She wore the bracelet. Oh, that's true. Uh, Steven, so someone that's read the comics and can already see how wildly this is diverging now, how are you feeling going into these two next two episodes? I love it. (laughs) I I get a whole bunch of the thing that I already liked. Like, this is a different version. But it's not a different version in a way that's like, ah, what? They made they made the major from Ghost in the Shell a white lady? Like, nothing like those kind of changes. It's all positive changes, where they're expanding on characters in positive ways and adding. It's been really good so far. Yeah, I would tend to agree on that. So, I guess that's kind of a brief summary of both of these episodes. Um, I wanted to discuss also... What is going on with uh, the namesake of episode four, the Majestic 12 and Hargreaves? These guys are like some kind of Illuminati shadow consulate thing going on. Yeah. Definitely yeah. shadow government, supposedly. And and what was it that Elliot said? Uh, Kennedy only... was the first one to ever try and push back on them yep. and see where it gets him. Yeah. I think these are all just Blues Brothers. <laughs> Well, definitely that one guy. <laughs> On a mission for God. So I think, I think the biggest uh, surprise, would, at least for me, was uh, the the template for Grace for their their mother being at the party. Yeah, oh yeah, as oh, yeah. her state with the very heavy Southern drawl. Very. I knew she had Grace had to be a real person because Hargreaves is not that creative. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, he's not. He couldn't even bother to pick names for his children. They were just one through seven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so clearly he had to have a template to go off of. <laughs> one, one of the interesting things for this was seeing the reaction of Diego seeing her. I don't know if it was more fresh for you guys who watched the season more recently. Yeah. But I had kind of lost a little bit of remembering just how how shitty Diego was treated versus some of the others. Obviously they all have terrible stories of their, their upbringing, but Diego, he had like his whole stutter thing and his mom was essentially his main support. Yeah. And so when he saw her here after every, the events of the first season, it was, it had a little bit of an emotional punch to it. Take into account that he had to also kill her. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So. And the last he saw her, the house fell down on her too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but some random dude walking up to you and calling you mom, probably going to... I don't think he, anybody else would have sat around and had that conversation with him. No. Nope. <laughs> I mean, but she, is, she is dating Hargreaves, so she's used to eccentric. Uh, well, actually, I feel like at this point, with the amount of stuff that I've watched and everything that I've read and everything that I've written, I've probably been like, who are you? <laughs> what is this? Is my story beginning now? <laughs> Am I the side character in something? <laughs> or is this how I become the main character? What is this? <laughs> Did anybody find it weird that when he went up to her and said mom, she thought that was his way of flirting? Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, is this a weird come online? Yeah. 
Like, if it is, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. Possibly revealing a Hargreaves fetish that uh, was broken. <laughs> or just a fetish in Texas that maybe happens often to her. <laughs> yeah, I think people in Dallas are just that bad at flirting, possibly. <laughs> that might be it. And there went our Dallas fans. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. We'll, we'll, we'll miss all of you guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so were there any key takeaways anybody had or anything that stood out to anyone? I wanted to mention something right away in this one. And uh, when Five and Vanya are having a conversation at the, I think it was at a bar or some kind of diner. Yeah. Diner, yeah. And Vanya mentions, oh, I need to con- tell, you know, this person I live with that, you know, like I'm okay, that, you know, not to worry. And Five is very insistent saying like, you know, that person can wait. You know, they have nothing. Uh, they are not important in the grand scheme of things compared to what else we have going on or something to that effect. Which led me to believe, no, this person's going to be very instrumental <laughs> in the events that are going to be happening here pretty soon. Well, seeing and- as the last season, the last uh, r- romantic relationship Vanya had led to the world apocalypse, you know, maybe some the people she loves are kind of relevant. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should pay attention to our sister every once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, Sissy being a key component to the apocalypse might only be because she is in a relationship with Vanya. So when she, you know, is in danger, Vanya will take up arms, or maybe, maybe she'll be the one that stops the bullet from hitting Kennedy. She takes the bullet, or takes out Oswald. One or the other. We know Oswald is in there somewhere. All of these things are likely. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. already went ahead and watched. I mean, pretty much anything you guys could predict for this thing is just as likely as anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But you already know. I mean, I do. (laughs) The part I I feel like the quieter Steven is then the more on track we are because he's afraid of saying anything to confirm but the silence itself is like an admission. No, I just have Cheetos that I'm eating. <laughs> the part right. I takeaways from anyone else in these two episodes as far as uh, plot points or just interesting details? I mean, Elizabeth well, had one. Yeah, so the piece I found interesting is because they, they've translated for us like when the handler was talking to Leela in Mandarin and when they've talked in other languages, they've translated what they didn't translate was five's message in ancient Greek to Hargreaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I found that very interesting because I would imagine that's a relatively important message, whatever he said that stopped him in his tracks. Uh, so I just, I found that interesting that they, decided to keep that from us because I don't know many people who speak ancient Greek. So I can't imagine there's many people watching this show that speak ancient Greek. I mean, mine's a little bit rusty at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a little bit. And I also find it really concerning, concerning how enjoyable Luther finds illicit substances. <laughs> For all of his other, you know, straight and narrow, he seems to continually decide 
let me get high. That doesn't ever end badly. Yeah. I think we're saying Luther B15. That he never Basically. got B15? That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Did, was, but did the rest of them? I mean, Klaus obviously gets to be reckless, but did the rest of them get to be reckless? Like, obviously, Allison is probably the, well, at least is the best able to find <laughs> her ill adjustment, but like, she seems like the most adjusted out of everybody other than the fact that she was using her powers on her kid. I think she like she had bigger consequences. And yeah. so she's already had to come out the other side of that. Yeah, she's the best at faking it. Actually, mm. is what I think it is. She's an actress. Yeah. And, and I, I think she was a bad actress. Okay. I think that was actually one of the things that we were supposed to get was that she was a bad actress. I do think she probably is I mean she's not well adjusted but she probably is the most adjusted because she left and was successful at what she left for mm-hmm. because uh, Luther never left Vanya was kicked out Ben died Klaus was basically kicked out for his drug use and his alcohol abuse Diego left but he failed at becoming a police officer which is what he wanted to do so the and then five of course disappeared. So the only one who left the academy of their own volition and was successful in what they left to do was Allison. But Allison's success wasn't real success. It seems she used her power to get all of those roles, and so she didn't like any success that she had. She knows was fake. Correct, which is why she worked so hard these last three years mm-hmm. to success. On her own accord. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a thing people don't talk about a lot. A lot of people talk, have been talking crap about her not using her powers in this season. And it's been very frustrating. Like they just forgot what the first part of, the, of last season was supposed to be. Yeah. But I, I think because she was successful before we get introduced, I think she has the ability to accept what her powers mean and don't mean. Yeah, but easier than everybody else does. And but and don't you I mean, we take away from Spider-Man if you have great power you have to use it, right? Like she could be using her power to make it so that these people aren't racist. Like But again, does that affect real change? When you see more people doing a certain thing a certain way, then yes. The crowd follows. It it does create change. But hers is a very temporary. Yeah, hers I don't I'm for her using her powers when it comes to her husband being beat up. And I did want Mm -hmm. her to use her powers when the officers originally came to the house. Um, But I don't think I'm for her using her powers to solve the civil rights movement. Because generally when you use your great powers that greatly and that much of a way that stops like it, it would turn on itself. It would not yeah. solve anything. No, what usually happens in those stories is that the the quote unquote hero goes too far. They go, okay, well, if you're doing this, how about if you also do that? Now, if she just stopped at, hey, stop being racist, I don't see how there's a problem with that for anybody. But because if she's not if she's not there making that happen, then you have the like an equal and opposite reaction later where people it, it rubber bands back around. I think people who were doing this thing and they're like, what the fuck was I doing that? If there's no real change inside of them and there's no force keeping them doing that stuff in the proper way, and at like their I, core, they're still a shitty person. 
Yeah. Like I said last week, uh, the more repetition you do on something, it, it becomes habit. Like if they keep stop doing, stop hitting on Except- hitting people. They might start to believe that they aren't. Except the reason that repetition works is because you make the choice to repeat it. Yeah. And they're no mm-hmm. longer making that choice. I don't think that's always true. There's subconsciously sometimes you do things just because. It's not it, because you're making the choice. It's even mm-hmm. subconsciously, your own volition, your own mechanisms is making the choice. Okay. I'll, I just I disagree. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I think it, I think it's the same problem with Diego stopping the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, huh? It is. Okay. <laughs> I, I, Diego does have a, he has a no. Of course, this is fiction. You can't just go back in time and tell people to stop being racist. I'm just saying <laughs> she has a set of powers in this show. She should be using them to yeah. help out the rest of the world. If Tarantino can go back and kill Hitler, we can go back and take out racism. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I, I think the show, the show is good in her not using it. Yeah. But at the same time, we all enjoy the show. And that's the important part. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, about watching what you love. <laughs> As Rafa would say. <laughs> Or watching. Now, <laughs> we also wanted to bring up that we had an interesting little arc with uh, Klaus and uh, running into his former yet not quite current pre-lover from Vietnam. Yeah, he ran to, into the younger version of the person he lost. Yes. So before they've ever met, before he's obviously come to terms with the fact that he is also homosexual, um, you run into his very... Uh, I want to say redneck uncle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very intolerant of older relative. That's very much to the old ways where uh, Klaus was just trying to, uh, I want to say genuinely convince him not to join the war effort. That's going to happen here um, in a few days. And yet uh, that didn't go well and it made him get off the wagon. I was really surprised that Klaus like brute forced his way into this one. Cause he has to know what that conversation has to be. It's it's steps, you know? And right there in front of the person that he knew was one of the ones that convinced him to go. That's a terrible idea. Well, and not only that, but at least, you know, give yourself the air of profit. Like, I mean, if you've got a cult, you can at least go. You know, I've had a vision of the future. And whether or not he believes you, at least you've got a reason for making this statement that's completely out of the blue to a stranger who you don't know. I, I just, I, did, I liked their uh, initial reaction, seeing each other. And the guy being like, oh, how about this pink color? You know, like that was, that was a nice interaction. This one was awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like... Even Klaus's subconscious, in the form of Ben, was telling him this is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. that's where Ben should have levitated him again to give him yeah. more. I'm like, no, no, no. He's a <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Ben should have just like Ben. Ben is the most mature person. We were talking about who's the most well-adjusted. It's Ben. Because he's dead. 
probably because he has the least possible effect on anything, and he needs clouds. <laughs> that's why. True, and he also had a power that he really didn't like. Well, yeah, I mean, he has weird tentacles coming out of his body. His power's crazy. I feel like he he basically has a belly that goes to the monster from the first Hellboy movie. Face. Okay. Some elephant <laughs> being. I dig it. It sounds pretty awesome. That, that was one of my favorite <laughs> scenes from the first season is when he unleashes those tentacles in that room full of like bank robbers and just obliterates them all. Mm-hmm. And how down he looks afterward. Like, oh man, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. He had to watch a lot of terrible things as a child. Yeah. And we yeah. still don't know how he died, right? At least not in the show. I no. thought they said that Something went wrong. Something went wrong with his power. So I presumed that the monster in his stomach ate him. Hmm. I I, I don't remember any for what happened for that one. Yeah, I don't no, think they yeah. said it outright. It could be one of those things that's just implied in the show. Um, I don't know about the comic because I've never <laughs> read it, but Stephen would know more about that. But to go along with the theme of every all the kids just keep things hidden like ben doesn't tell that a he's got a crush on someone in san francisco right yeah yeah and what 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 is this crush based on i know (laughs) we don't see a whole lot but he's just like man she reads books i like it (laughs) (laughs) is that like the two of them interacted or had a conversation yeah Yeah. at all have been able to like sense his presence or something I suppose, yeah. Like she, she has some kind of ability like that, and we just yeah. haven't seen it at this point. Yeah, like she might be like Meg Ryan in City of Angels, where she can kind of. Tell <laughs> what a pool! <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting all week for that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all in all, that's uh, that's these next two episodes, uh, three and four, and some interesting developments are happening here. I. Mm-hmm. Am I can't wait to go watch the next two. I'm going to do it right after we're done with this today. <laughs> nice. Just sit on them for the whole rest of the week because that's how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> very weird. I feel like now at this point, I'm very curious as to how they got together without five being there. Because in who, the beginning, they're the, 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 the Umbrella Academy, how the, gotcha. the brothers and sisters, because in the beginning, they're all together fighting together oh, against yeah. the Russians. Oh, yeah. But well, five wasn't there at that point. So I'm just really curious. I don't see how how they find each other. Other than I, th- I suppose the only two that found each other without five being involved was Allison and Klaus. Well, well and Luther and Allison. And Luther knows that that Diego was in a mental institution. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But like Luther didn't actively seek out Allison or didn't ask his boss to seek out Allison until after he saw five. I'm I'm thinking it's it's time travel. Like ben did show up and get all of them together before the, the the day of the apocalypse. It's just you don't see him in that particular scene. Maybe at that point he also died or jumped through time again. Yeah, maybe. I, I want to put it out there that it, it's after the assassination of Kennedy, which we know Diego was there yeah. for. And yeah, like yeah. Diego's not going to not do something with that. He probably made an ass out of himself, was on TV, everyone else saw him, and then Vonnie just got pulled into it somehow. That's yeah. my guess at this point. 
Well, yeah, and see, and I could see how everybody could find each other without five because Luther found Vanya without five. Mm-hmm. She he oh, found her, yeah. and that would have spurred him to look for Allison, which would have asked caused him to ask his boss. And Allison and Klaus found each other because Allison's husband got arrested, and Luther already knew that Diego was in an asylum. So if they'd already found the other ones, they'd go and collect him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, the, the character that I want to see most, that I'm the most worried about, that I haven't seen since the beginning, was the homeless man in the alley. He and Luther had something. You know, they bonded. And we just haven't gotten anything about that since. He's probably working as a bathroom attendant at Ruby's, uh, like, bar. The diner place? The diner. It's a diner. It's like, that, that's my favorite part in the entire, like, quite possibly the entire season. It's the opening of that the first episode. But then just that one part, Allison! It was so good. (laughs) (laughs) No, the great part is that Jack Ruby is a seamstress. Like, Jack Ruby is putting, (laughs) is sewing together (laughs) Quinn's dress for his cocktail dresses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mentioned this point in our previous group chats already, but seeing Diego in a suit or tuxedo, whatever that was, when they went to infiltrate that Majestic 12, Mm-hmm. I realized why he was bugging me so much in this season. And that's because oh. he looks just like those Geico cavemen. Yep. <laughs> he needs to shave. <laughs> it's either either the goatee needs to go or the long hair needs to go, but he can't keep yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's, he looks a little too uh, Cro-Magnon. Yeah. I don't, for, that, like, I, for Diego, if I'm watching Diego on screen, I'm never really watching Diego's face because there's something so particular about the way that that guy moves. True. I don't know if anyone else feels this or anything. Like, I feel like he's a capable, like a person with his body. And so I just, every time he's doing something, I'm like, what are his shoulders doing? Yeah. He's like a puma. Yeah. I'm guessing he's. Yeah. Like a- yeah. yeah he oh, yeah, he definitely, he, he's the best dancer out of the group. <laughs> I mean, Reginald Hargreaves made them all take ballroom dancing. It's true. Yeah. You never know. And the box the step could be. Required Leela to also take dancing. Mm-hmm. You got to know how to dance if you're going to be a spy. It's just it's required. If we do, it's fair. It is the easiest spy. way to quickly scan a room within a party. Mm-hmm. Is dancing. <laughs> I'll take that. Everybody knows that. Okay. <laughs> so, if you want to talk to us about any of these, uh, or at least me, about anything that we talked about today, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. Jessica, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes, and you can see my live tweet of Avarian there too. <laughs> <laughs> and John, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. Aubrey, I'm sorry. I'll try to be on there next time. <laughs> <laughs> she listened. You should also look up the, the legend of their Chuck E. Cheese picture. Like the Michael Sarah Aubrey Plaza Chuck E. Cheese picture. Ooh. Anyways. Steven, where can people find you online? You can find me across all social media as either Peppermint Gentleman or Peppermint Gent for short. Come find me. Let's talk about art. Elizabeth, where can people find you? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Uh, if you'd like to check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network, uh, go to our website, geekleetmedia.com. Our Patreon page is up and 
we could use more patrons. So check that out. Please rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you use so that it can spread the word of our podcast. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to Geek Geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.